Well, good morning, family, and Merry Christmas. It is so good to be here in the Lord's house on this Christmas day. Christmas falls on Sunday once in a blue moon. Actually, it's a lot rarer than a blue moon. And when it happens, we're always sitting together as elders and as staff going, what's going to happen on Christmas Day? And it's really good to see you here because I always wonder, is anybody going to show? Or are we going to have to be dragging chairs out from the back to make room for all the extra people? We never know what's going to happen. And I'm just glad that you're here. This morning, we just sang We Three Kings. The reason for that is one of the most mysterious parts of the Christmas story is those wise men who show up and worship Jesus. And so, in just a moment, I'm going to have Brother Harley, Pastor Aaron, come up and read for us Matthew's account of the birth of Christ, or at least chapter 2, which is after the birth of Jesus, and we deal with the wise men. We usually focus on Christmas Eve on Luke's gospel, and uh, so today we're going to go to Matthew, we're going to read about the wise men, and I want you to pay attention as they read, because there will be a quiz. Just saying. So, brothers, come on up and uh, read for us. Matthew chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. As they're listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they, all, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now... When they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child, to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he had saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. 
Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted, because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Well, I encourage you always to have your Bible open. We're in Matthew chapter 2 this morning. We're going to focus here on the wise men. So I've got a little quiz. It's multiple choice. And you can keep score on yourself, okay, so nobody else has to know. (laughs) But here we are. And by the way, How many Gospels tell us the story of Jesus' birth? There's four Gospels in the Bible. How many of them tell the story of Jesus' birth? That's not on the quiz. It's a bonus question. The answer is two. It's Matthew and Luke. Mark starts uh, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. John actually tells us about Jesus' incarnation, but he does it from the perspective of heaven, and we don't see the birth of Jesus there. So just Matthew and Luke, and only Matthew tells us about the wise men. So everything we know about the wise men and Jesus, we find in Matthew chapter 2, in what was just read a few moments ago. So, here's the question. Question number one, why did the wise men come seeking the baby Jesus? Was it because an angel told them to? Or was it because they heard rumors about the birth of a king, or was it that they had seen his star appear in the east, or we don't know? Quick, 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 quick. And answer is, oh, that's what I should do. You just have to yell out your answer. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, wow, we got a crew of Bible scholars. The answer is C. They had seen his star in the, appear in the east. Okay, next question. How many wise men came to see Jesus? Was it three, or was it B, four, or was it C, was it seven, or is it D, we don't know? One, two, three. And Bible scholars, we don't know. You mean we just sang about three kings, and we really don't know how many there were. That's right. Just because there are Christmas songs doesn't mean they are right. Okay, check your Bible. Uh, thirdly, what were the wise men's names? Were they Casper, Balthazar, and Melchior? Or were they Shem, Ham, and Japheth? Or were they Larry, Curly, and Moe? Or we don't know. Okay, pick your answer. One, two, three. 
D, we don't know. Wow, you guys are really up on your Christmas stuff. All right, fourth question. How did the wise men travel to Jerusalem? Did they A, ride camels, or B, did they ride horses, or C, did they arrive in a Volkswagen van, or D, we don't know? And the answer, one, two, three, oh, caught some of you, we don't know. And we move on to number five. Here we go. Number five. The wise men found Jesus, A, in a manger. The wise men found Jesus, B, in a house. The wise men found Jesus, C, in a stable. Or the wise men found Jesus, D, in a good mood. (laughs) Or the wise men, we know that no crying he made because we sing that song. And E, we don't know. So pick your answer. And the answer is B, in a house. Oh, we just read that this morning. Okay, there are more questions, but we're not going to do them this morning because you guys are so good. But what we are going to do is go back because, quite frankly, what so many people think they know about the wise men is really more about what they've heard in songs, seen in artwork, or Christmas cards, uh, rather than what the Word of God tells us. So what I want to do this morning is just answer a few questions that I've heard about the wise men, or questions that I've had about the wise men, and hopefully in the process that we will uh, learn something new, that we will maybe correct a misunderstanding or two, and hopefully we'll see how these men add some wonderful richness to our understanding of the birth of Jesus. In verse 1, it says, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked. When we read our Bibles, some of your Bibles will say Magi. Some of your Bibles will say wise men. And a few translations use Some other words, they might say magicians or some other things. And we wonder, just who are these people? And we just sang the song that said, kings, we three kings. So what's right? Are they wise men? Are they magi? Are they kings? Are they magicians? Who are these wise men? Or we might ask, who are what are these wise men? Well, first of all, They are not kings. That idea arose from really some misinformed traditions. The word magi is basically the Greek word magoi, which is simply moved into English. And it's really not able to be translated because it's not a word, it's a name. It's a name of some people, a tribe of people, a tribe of people who were of the Medes. The Medes are people who live in the area of Media. Hence, they are Medes. And the, the Magi were one of the tribes of the Medes. And these, these Magi tribe, they had devoted themselves to studying astronomy and astrology and medicine and, phys- and philosophy and natural sciences. 
And they had served among the people of the Medes as a priestly tribe. Very similar to what the Levites did among the Jewish people. And so these Magi, because of their devotion to study and learning, had developed a reputation of being very learned and very wise men. And so they were wise men, which is why they're often in our English translations called wise men. And these wise men, men found their way into, into places of influence, serving as advisors and administrators and teachers to kings and to governors and to rulers throughout that whole region of the East. The Magi were top advisors in the Babylonian Empire. We see that in the Bible when we encounter the Babylonian, uh, the Babylonian people. The prophet Jeremiah, for example, in chapter 39, he's recording when, the Babylon, when Babylon had invaded Israel, they conquered Israel, they were in process of destroying the city and hauling the people of Israel off to, into captivity in Babylon. And there in chapter 39, Jeremiah lists a number of officials who are Babylonian officials who are overseeing this. And among them, and I highlighted that, is Nergal Sar Ezer, the Rab Mag, or the Rab Mag. And what's interesting is that title of that man, Rab means chief, and Mag is Magi. He's the chief Magi. Um, and you notice it says these are the officers, the officials of the king of Babylon. The Magi were then top advisors in the Medo-Persian Empire who conquered the Babylonian Empire in 539 B.C. And then the Greeks come along and conquer the Medo-Persian Empire in 330 B.C. And what we discover is that the Magi had influence in the Seleucid Empire, which was one of four empires that happened as the Greeks took over. Alexander the Great died and the empire was divided up among his four generals. And one of those was named Seleucid. Anyways, the Seleucid Empire named after the general. There we go. I'll put it that way. And the Magi had great influence in that part of the Greek Empire. And then the Romans come along and the Romans conquer the Greek Empire in 146 B.C. And at the time of Jesus' birth, Rome had been in control of the world then for about 150 years. Now, the Magi had no great influence on the Roman Empire. But Israel was on the eastern frontier of the Roman Empire. There's the, the green there on that side. It's, all around, oh, you can't really see that color, can you? That's the problem when you do things on a computer. And, but Israel is right there in that little red circle, and the Roman Empire just kind of goes kind of straight up and all along around the Mediterranean coastline base, and that's the Roman Empire. What you'll notice off to, the, to your right is a little gray area, and that's the Parthian Empire. Rome was the dominant power in the world, but... Off to the east, there was this Parthian Empire, which kind of was the remnant of the old Persian Empire. And while they were lesser than Rome, they were still a power in the world. 
And the Magi had influence in the Parthian Empire. Great influence there. So indeed, the Magi were in fact wise men of great power and great influence in all of the East. And by the way, just for a little tidbit, a little bit of trivia, in English, our word magistrate comes from the word Magi. A magistrate is a judge or someone, an official with some power, and it comes from these Magi. That's where we got our word. So that's who the Magi were. They were wise men with great power and influence all through the, what we'd say today, the Middle East. So, how did these Magi get to Israel? Well, we already talked about, we don't know. But we always see the pictures. There they are. The Magi, the three kings, they're called. They're not kings. We've learned that. But they're coming in on camels. And you know what? Camels are a very real possibility. They may have showed up on camels. However, they also might have shown up on Persian steeds, Persian horses. See, I think it's actually the more likely thing. Because Persian horses were considered the Rolls Royces of their day. You know, they were the finest transportation available. And so certainly if you're people of influence and you're from Persia, where the finest horses are, you would probably come in on Persians. Well, how many were there? Well, we've already said it. We don't know how many. People think three because there were three gifts they brought, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But there might have been four. There might have been ten. One thing I know, though, is that the wise men didn't show up by themselves. It wasn't just three or four or five guys riding on camels or horses. You see, if you're an official in those days, you don't go anywhere without an escort. And if you're carrying riches, you don't go anywhere without an escort. And if you're from the Parthian Empire off to the east and you're going into Roman territory... And while there is a bit of a truce between those powers, it is an uneasy truce. You don't go without soldiers. Historians estimate that these wise men may have traveled with as many as a thousand soldiers. You can imagine when they came rumbling into Jerusalem, it made a stir. And they came asking Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? And that raises another question. Why would Magi, wise men over in the east, have any concern about a Jewish king? They're not Jewish, so why do they care? And that would be a great question to ask. One reason is this. There was an air of expectation in the world. Now, we know, most of us know, that the Jews have, ever since the days of the prophets, they had been looking forward to the coming Messiah. Even before the time of the prophets ended, they were looking for the Messiah to come. Many of the prophets had spoken, talking of the one who was coming. And Jews were looking for this Messiah. And by the way, Over in Parthia, there are, historians tell us, perhaps a million Jews living in Parthia at the time of the birth of Christ. 
You see, back centuries before when the Jews had been taken captive to Babylon, and then they were later released under the Medes and Persians to go back to Israel, many went back to Israel, but many stayed. And those ended up there in the region of Babylonia and Parthia. And by the time of Christ, they tell us there were perhaps as many as a million Jews. You've got a million Jews over where these wise men live who are expecting a Messiah. And these are guys who are, who are knowledgeable about religion and philosophy and everything. You know that they know what the Jews know. And they're, they're thinking, hmm. But not only is there an air of expectation. Oh, by the way. We have, for example, the historian Josephus who says, about that time, from one from their country, this is what the Jews were thinking, one from their country should become governor of the habitable earth. See, the Jews were expecting a Messiah. But we find out also from history it wasn't just the Jews. Suetonius, a historian writing just after Christ, says this, there had spread all over the Orient, all over the East, an old and established belief that it was fated at that time for men coming from Judea to rule the world. These weren't Jews thinking this. These were just average people on the street thinking someone from Judea is going to rule the world. Was it just Suetonius who wrote that? Tacitus, another Roman historian, historian, said this, There was a firm persuasion that at this very time the East was to grow powerful and rulers coming from Judea were to acquire universal empire. Isn't that fascinating? Well, certainly we would expect that learned magi would be aware of these trends going on, these trends of thought in the world around them. And that they might investigate any in indication that a Jewish king had been born. But there's more. Because not only was there an air of expectation, there were Jewish prophecies. We know that the Jews had prophets and prophecies about the Messiah. But had you ever thought, and most of you probably have, you know the story of Daniel. Back when the Jews were taken captive by the Babylonians and taken to Babylon... Among them were Daniel and his friends, Hazariah and Mishael and Azariah, who you know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And those young men were trained to serve in, in the court of the king, the court of Nebuchadnezzar. And in fact, they did. And matter of fact, they were later chosen by Nebuchadnezzar because God had given them great wisdom and great understanding they ended up becoming part of the wise men of Babylon, part of the Magi of Babylon. In fact, Daniel chapter 5, verse 11, and I won't put it on the screen, but you can look it up on your own. We learned there that Nebuchadnezzar had eventually promoted Daniel to chief of the Magi in Babylon. And, of course, Daniel wrote a number of very specific prophecies about the Messiah. Matter of fact, Daniel chapter 9, he says, he tells you when to expect the Messiah to appear. Now, folks, I think it's unthinkable that these learned magi are not aware of the writings and the teachings of one of their centuries before chief magi. Matter of fact, a very special magi 
who had risen to be an advisor in for three different kings in two different empires, Babylon and Persia. Such a man certainly caught the attention of these wise men. And so it's most likely that Daniel's, it was Daniel's prophecies that sent these magi looking for the long-promised Messiah. And it's only my speculation, but I just have a wonder if these magi were perhaps part of a line of magi, of learned wise men who had actually become followers of God under the influence and the teaching of Daniel. And that they came not just as curiosity seekers, but they came as those who are God followers looking for the promised Messiah. And I think when it says they didn't just come, you see, to see him, notice what they said. We have come to worship him. Interesting. Well, the Bible tells us just one reason why they came. It says they saw a star. The Magi were students of the stars, and something they saw convinced them the time had come that Messiah was born. Lots of people, lots of things out there. You'll hear lots of ideas about what they saw. The bottom line, we don't know. They saw something in the heavens. They made them think, hmm, Messiah has come. We don't know what it was, but God used that to send them to Israel. Well, when they arrived asking, where is he that has been born king of the Jews? It caused an uproar in the city. Notice it said here that Herod was troubled. He was, matter of fact, it's really a very strong word. He was agitated. He was trembling. And it says, all of Jerusalem with him. Well, you see, a thousand soldiers perhaps just showed up. <laughs> and it got everybody's attention. But why was Herod so upset? Let me just give you a few possible reasons. One, some things we know. Herod was ambitious and he was also jealous. The Romans had given Herod the title king of the Jews, but he wasn't a Jew. He was Edomian, meaning he was from Edom. And the Jews, most of them, didn't like Herod at all. And so his kingship was a little uh, sketchy, a little tenuous. And Herod didn't like competitors for his kingship, and he thought nothing of killing competition, including his own sons and his own wife and his brother-in-law. Anybody he saw as a threat disappeared. They were killed. Even Caesar Augustus, the Roman Caesar, said of, of Herod, whom he had placed here as king of the Jews, Caesar Augustus said, it's safer to be Herod's pig than to be Herod's son. Yeah, he was ruthless. But not only was he jealous and ruthless, this was also a potential international situation. As I said, the, the relationship between the Roman Empire and the little Parthian Empire over here was kind of shaky. It was just a few decades before that 
three different wars had been fought between the two, the two places. And guess where they fought those battles? In Israel and in neighboring Jordan and Syria. You see, Israel was right on the, on the eastern frontier of the Roman Empire. And what he had here was the makings of an international incident. Soldiers and wise men, magi from the east, from Parthia, and they're here, and if things go south, we've got a war on our hands. Herod's kingship, his perhaps life, and his legacy all hang in the balance of what happens in these next days. He's troubled. But not only that, he gets upset because the Messiah, Herod has recognized that these these magi aren't coming looking for a king of the Jews. They're looking for the king of the Jews. Did you notice what, when Herod brings his religious leaders in, the Jewish leaders, he asks them a question. He doesn't say, where will a king come from? He says, where will the Christ, that's the Messiah, where will he be born? Herod knows that's what's at stake here. The Messiah is coming. And you know, I think Herod recognizes that he might be working against God right now. But that doesn't cause him any concern. All it does is make him more, more determined that he's going to fight against God, if necessary, to protect his power. Interesting. And one more thing gets Herod really excited. And this is something you may not know. Magi are kingmakers. The Greek historian Herodotus informs us that over in the East, no one could become king unless they were approved by and crowned by the Magi. Herod knew these aren't just curiosity seekers. These are king makers. This was a dangerous thing for Herod. Well, when did they arrive in Bethlehem? We see all the little nativity scenes. Hundreds of them around us. Matter of fact, most places we see nativity scenes. We see there's, there's Joseph and there's Mary. There's the baby Jesus. And in the background you see the shepherds and a couple of sheep. And the wise men. When did the wise men show up? Well, may I say, most certainly not the night that Jesus was born. Notice our text. What's the first word in chapter 2 of Matthew? After. After the birth of Jesus. Oh, not on the night. It's after the birth of Jesus. It's the same thing is not on the night of Jesus' birth. After the night of Jesus' birth, see verse 1. And another reason we can know is that they find in verse 11, they find Jesus in a house. Interesting. They find Jesus in a house. There's no mention of a house in Luke's account. Matter of fact, probably they were in a stable underneath a house probably owned by some dis distant relatives of Joseph's. 
And that word in, by the way, I just found in my reading this week, I had never noticed this before, that word for in really is the word for guest room. It was probably their family had no room for all these extra guests coming in town. And they gave them space in the little space under the house where they keep the animals. A little more privacy there too. Just something I'd never read before. Interesting. You know, many church traditions, Catholics, Lutherans, Anglicans, and others, celebrate the arrival of the wise men 12 days after Christmas, after the birth of Christ. They call it Epiphany. And, which by the way, is where that whole idea of the 12 days of Christmas comes from. You know, you sing the song, the 12 days of Christmas, where did that come from? Well, they say it's because the 12 days from the birth of Jesus to the arriving of the wise men. And people will often give gifts all 12 days. I like that thought. (laughs) Well, there's nothing though in the Bible to indicate that the wise men came 12 days afterwards. Well, we do know it was no more than two years. That's what that next line would be. No more than two years after Jesus was born. How we know that is because Herod goes to kill all the babies two years and under. And we know Herod was determined he wasn't going to miss this baby. So he stretched it out a little past when the wise men said the star, they saw the star and, and then he killed all the babies two years and under. And if Jesus were older than two years, there would have been no reason for God to send them down to Egypt, as we saw later in Matthew chapter 2, because he wasn't in danger. So we we can be sure it wasn't the night of, and it was no longer than two years after he was born that the wise men showed up. One other thing I discovered this week as I was, as I was studying, is that I think it was at least 33 days after Jesus was born. And how do I get that? Because if we go over to Luke's account, Luke chapter 2, what we discover is that Mary and Joseph followed the Old Testament law, which required that 33 days after a male child was born, the firstborn was born, they were to take the child to the temple to present him to the Lord. That was on the 33rd day. And as Mary and Joseph show up, you recall they were to bring an offering, and the offering they brought was two doves or two pigeons. It was the smallest, cheapest offering you could bring. It was the offering for the poor. If you had more, you brought more. If you were the poorest of the poor, that's what you brought. And so what we know is Mary and Joseph were among the poorest of the poor. They wouldn't have been had the wise men showed up before. They would have had gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so it was after 33 days that the wise men show up. Well, why did God bring these wise men, these magi, to Jesus? And make no mistake, it was God who brought them there. We don't know that what they saw in the east that, that caught their attention. It may have been a natural phenomenon in the stars, in the sky. But we know here in Matthew chapter 2, verse 9, that after they had found out that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem, when they left Jerusalem, God sent a star, a miraculous one, for sure this time, because this star guided them right to the very house where Jesus was. It was God who brought them there. God wanted these magi at Jesus, to see Jesus 
at this time? Why did God do it? Well, again, the Bible doesn't say, but may I give two, I think, biblical answers to this? The first is this. He brought them there to highlight the rejection of his own people. As John writes in John 1, he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. What a tragedy. And this is the highlight that while his own people wouldn't see him, wouldn't receive him, the religious leaders wouldn't even travel six miles from Jerusalem to Bethlehem to check out this report of a king, of the Messiah being born. But here these magi traveled well over a thousand miles to come and find him. But another reason is he had these wise men come, these magi come to give Jesus the honor that he deserved. You may recall years later when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey on what we call Palm Sunday. When they were coming into town and the crowds were, were cheering Jesus, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were calling him and doing so, the Messiah, the King. You remember what the religious leaders did? They called to Jesus and they said, make them stop. You remember what Jesus' answer was? I tell you what, if they don't cry out, the very rocks will. You see, Jesus is going to get the praise he deserves, whether his people will do it or not. And that when Jesus was born, his people wouldn't give him the honor that he deserved. And God brought Magi from the east to do that. Hmm. Well, as I wrap it up, because we're out of time this morning, let me just say this. As I look at this account, I marvel. God's hand is all through it. As it has been when we read Luke's account, we see God's hand all through it, working, fulfilling this little prophecy and that little prophecy and this little thing, all to let us know that what happened in the birth of Jesus was not an accident. It's not some little thing that was made up. It wasn't a conspiracy. It was the hand of God working through the, the whole history of mankind to bring about, as Paul wrote to the Galatians, at the fullness of time, at the right time, Jesus is born, God incarnate. And I see in this story three responses to Jesus that are the same responses people have today. You see, some people respond to Jesus with rebellion, rebels. They don't want anything to do with Jesus. They don't want anything to do with God messing up their life. And so they refuse Him. They stay away from Him. Or maybe even like Herod, they are outright antagonistic towards Jesus. There are millions of people like that in our world today who hate Jesus and anyone who follows Him. They don't want God messing up their life. But there are others who are simply ap apathetic. They respond with apathy. People like this may even give lip service to Jesus. They may claim to be Jesus followers. They call themselves Christians. They have a fish on their bumper sticker <laughs> or their car. 
They come to church on Sundays, just like the religious leaders in Jerusalem. They had all the outward appearance of people who are God followers, and they claimed to be God followers, but they had no concern at all about God or about Jesus. They wouldn't even travel six miles to see had the Messiah really come. And then some people respond to Jesus by worship, with worship. They're like the wise men who truly want to worship Jesus. They, they seek after Him to know Him and to follow Him. And I wonder this Christmas Day, which one are you? Are you rebellious against Jesus? Or you just really don't care, you're apathetic, or are you following Him? I hope that every one of us here this morning, we're here because it's our heart to seek Jesus, to love Him, to get to know Him, and to follow Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. A lot of surprises here. Forgive us, sometimes we get carried away with what we think we know because we really don't read very well or not very much. May, may we be better students of Your Word. But then, Father, may we not just be people who are like those religious leaders who just learn stuff, but don't really let it change our hearts. Father, may we learn it. May we grip it and grasp it. And may we put it into practice. Thank you for sending Jesus. How we love him. And how we worship him this day. Amen.